This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It's so good to be with you. Remember, we're on a theme days, and today brings us to Faithful Followers Friday. Um, And the idea here is that we're going to just try to deal with and even though this phrase makes me shudder a little bit, practical theology, I actually think all theology is practical, but there is technically a category called practical theology, and so we're going to play nicely and play within the the terminologies that are out there, even though sometimes they rub a guy the wrong way. Maybe I can help. So, oh, good. What we're going to do, we're not going to make theology practical. What we're hoping to demonstrate is that the practical practicality of theology yes there See, that there makes you me go feel better that makes, yes and we want to talk about a topic that maybe isn't talked about enough um and that's just assurance mm-hmm. let's just start with just the just a general question what what is assurance of faith it's the conviction that we belong to christ uh, and that through faith and that we will enjoy an everlasting salvation so um it comes out of the doctrine of uh, eternal preservation of the saints. Um, that is that, so to put it plainly, once saved, always saved, if truly saved and in Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't have to live very long and, and engage very much within Christian circles to know that this can be a real struggle for some saints. Um, that they, Particularly when we, if you've been taught that you, you know that the Christian life is just going to be you know pie in the sky and everything's yeah. going to go well for you, it's going to be your best life now and that, and then you realize, you know, I still sin, I still have these problems. You know, has God rejected me? Sometimes my prayers feel like they're not being heard. Um, there are a lot of reasons why people lack assurance, and some of it is. From their own sinful condition, sometimes they're neglecting the, the the indwelling presence of the of the spirit. They're not keeping step with the the spirit. They're not, uh, you know, simply even doing the things that a Christian should do. And so, uh, they're they're lacking assurance in their life. I think sometimes, if we're just talking about other reasons why assurance can be a struggle, is something that. Jonathan said in passing, if we have a wrong conception of the gospel, mm-hmm. what does it mean? In in two ways, really. One, well, how, how do I come to salvation? Mm-hmm. If I believe that that I'm actually part of it and I merit it, that I've earned it, then it's not really that hard to then feel like I can demerit it, mm-hmm. that I, I can give it away because of, of my own performance. So if we have a wrong conception of the gospel in that way, that like for for us in the room, we believe that God alone brings about the salvation of his people. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I feel like there's in some way I'm contributing 
then I, I could be in trouble. But I think the other direction is mm-hmm. that if I believe the gospel means that all my troubles are going to be taken away, that once I come to a salvation, that means a salvation not just from sin, not just from the certainty of, of eternal punishment, but it also means I'm saved from all bad things and I'm mm-hmm. saved to a life of comfort and ease and prosperity. Huh. Yeah, Assurance is going to be a problem because right. – that's not how the Christian life works. Yeah, the attacks, yeah, the attacks of the world, the flesh, and the devil come into our lives and, and make us doubt about uh, about our Christianity. Mm-hmm. Somebody said about <coughs> the attacks of uh, of the of the devil. You know, if you didn't meet him today, you were traveling in the same direction. And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that's the lack of assurance is that you don't feel even under those attacks. You know, and maybe there's something there. I think that, you know, with regard to uh, assurance, knowing the gospel, you know, this is one of the beauties of uh, being in a church where you're presented with the Lord's Supper and you're remembering the Lord's death and you're remembering what he's done for you. And you're doing that, as it says, until he comes. You know, you, you examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith, but you also, you know, you're discerning what Christ did for you. And that's one of... Uh, God's chief means of assuring us of our forgiveness of sins. I think one of the um, blessings that you know we have in in the Psalms is that God gives us not only the the truth in song form and and that we can readily access, but He gives us the various emotions that we do have and a way to express them that honors and glorifies Him, even a crisis of faith. And I think we see that in Psalm seventy seven where the psalmist says, speaking to God, you hold my eyelids open, I am so troubled. Um, I have considered my days of old. I call to remembrance my song at night. My spirit makes diligent search. And then he asks these questions, uh, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? So it's a real crisis of faith of, like, uh, what does he believe? And, and in his experience, it's, it seems that God has completely changed. But then it also gives us the remedy that he remembers that the years of the right hand, the most high, meaning God is changeless. And he remembers basically the, the redemptive works of God. And uh, he comes and he, he worships God, and it's in that that uh, he finds his comfort. And I think it, it's a great pattern that's given to us of one acknowledging that we do have crises of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, be, we, we, we do question God at times, and there is a right way to do that. And that's to rest on, as Russ, as you said, it's, it's not what we've believed, it's not what we've done, it's what God has done for us mm-hmm. that we rest in. I actually think, now David did not write Psalm 77, but I think if you step back and read through the Psalms, um, the Psalms that David did write, mm-hmm. what you're going to see is David had a, a certain personality. I think he would probably be clinically defined today as manic depressive. <laughs> <laughs> that his highs were really high, but his lows were quite low. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a guy that God describes as a man after his own heart, and he's the one that writes, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So you, you, you've you got these these strong phraseologies from David that struggles with these uncertainties, mm-hmm. um, doubts, fears, how, however you want to try to classify them. 
Um, I think, I think, you know, maybe it would look like a lack of assurance if you were pastorally working with somebody like David. So I do think it, there are certain personalities, dispositions that assurance is more of a struggle. And it's really hard for those that are very introspective to really come to a place of certainty and security in their faith because they're always looking in. And it's also very hard when you have non-introspective people that you're engaging with. Well, I think Samuel Rutherford says, for every look at ourselves, we ought to take 10 looks at the Savior. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the that's, the, that's preaching the gospel to yourself when you do that. You know, this matter of what faith is, the Heidelberg Catechism actually identifies true faith as the certain knowledge whereby I hold for truth all that God has revealed to us in his word, but also an assured confidence which the Holy Spirit works by the gospel in my heart, that not only to others, but to me also, forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation are freely given by God, merely of grace, and only for the sake of Christ's merits. It's never going to be our circumstances, it's never going to be ourself. Um, and it's never going to be our shortcomings that will be able to provide assurance to us deeply in that, in, when we experience that peace of Christ. It must always be what God, who is faithful and cannot change, declares to be true about us. Um, and so, as, as Jonathan said, it's coming back to, in those moments when you might be facing a crisis of faith, coming back to the declarations of Christ over us. For me, one of the chapters uh, that's always been comforting in moments of, of doubt or needing to be reassured is John 10, um, where Jesus declares himself to be the good shepherd, where he declares himself to hold the sheep in his hand and that no one can snatch them from him, um, where he declares his love and action for the sheep, where he's going to lay his life down for those who belong to him. Uh, those are comforting passages uh, for me in those moments. In, in, a, in a whole letter that's been written, you know, very few times do the scripture writers actually give us, here's exactly why I'm writing this letter. And John is one of the ones that does that. And, and he does it in First John chapter 5, uh, verse 13. To summarize his letter, he says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So it, it's a letter dealing with assurance. And how do we know that we have eternal life? How do we know that we are uh, God's children? And, you know, Joel Beakey kind of divides it up, and, you know, there are three tests. There's a theological test. Do we believe the right thing? Is there uh, there's an obedience test? Is there fruit in our lives? Um, there's love test. I mean, is is our life a, a life of, of love, reflecting the love of God in Christ in us? And, and, and these things are just, there, there may be things that we can observe, but they're actually, they're, they're again, not things that we need to base our assurance on. There are things that are directing us back to what God has done and resting in these truths and these promises that he has given to us. And I think it's... Go ahead. I was going to say, we have to be careful that if we don't have full assurance all the time, right. that's okay. Um, I think the Westminster Confession... A faith is helpful chapter or article 18 is so helpful on this it's entirely on on assurance but one of the the subsections is going to talk about that assurance can fluctuate mm-hmm. and it can fluctuate for a lot of different reasons but your assurance shouldn't be based upon 
merely a subjective framework. And I say merely because it should actually be somewhat subjective. There's an objective reality, the gospel, gospel promises, the truths of God's word. But there is a subjective side that is involved with the test that, that Ryan was talking about. Do I love God? Do I love the brothers? Well, all of us know that that ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. But that is an evidence, that is an evidence of, of faith. But it is a little bit subjective. Do you think the, a lack of assurance can be a, a tool of discipline from the Spirit? Particularly if, if in those Christians who might be you know, stuck in, a, in making a practice of sin. I'm thinking of 1 John 1 mm-hmm. now, right, where he says, if you say you have no sin, the truth is not in you. So are, are those moments where perhaps we're experiencing a lack of assurance where that could be the, the discipline of the Spirit? I think so. I think, I think part of it is that you – I mean, the Puritans talked about the spiritual abandonment or desertion. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the phrase, but I do like the concept and the fact that, that, that there are times that God feels distance or you feel distant from God. And part of that is so that we long for him and we go after him mm-hmm. with a great, greater earnestness to show our dependence, to show our reliance upon him. And I think sometimes it's result of sin. And I think it's important, too, to – I mean, when Jesus, one of the prophecies he fulfills is that a, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. I mean, that's a small faith is still saving faith. Uh, it, we don't, our salvation is not dependent on our assurance. It, it's, it's dependent on God's faithfulness. And that assurance ebbs and flows. But uh, it, thankfully, we're not saved by our assurance of faith. Well, that's our final word for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.